Hello everybody, I'm Jake Fowler from the Hunger for the Hustle podcast. Welcome to the show. This is going to be another show that's full of inspiration, motivation and education for you as I interview guests from around the world about their business, about their entrepreneurial journey and about their creative aspect in life. I hope this show delivers some value for you and I hope that you really enjoy it. Let's go. Got my man, Paul Brenner, back in the house. Good to have you here, Paul. Hi, Jake. Good to see you. Uh, good to see you too, everybody. And a great, great first one in a professional studio, face-to-face. First one of this year as well. So new things, new year, new challenges, new opportunities. Um, representing with the Birmingham Birmingham Patagonia bootleg. There you go. Uh, great yeah. to be back in Brooklyn, back here we'll, for a while. We'll just have to make sure we don't call each other bab. <laughs> <laughs> we'll it's try, a, we'll it's try a big thing best. now, isn't it? No, it's pro- a, no promises. It's all gone bab. No promises. I could call you a lot worse, mate. <laughs> so when did we we did our last one? It was it was mid. It, it was mid COVID. I'm sure it was mid um, late late 2020, wasn't it? It was. It I was think. deep in COVID and. Um, I think you were. I was in Australia. In Australia, yeah, so it was over the screen there. Yeah, and, and you. Uh, I think it would be fair to say I don't want to speak for you, but n- not not in the happiest of places because everything had, had almost stopped, hadn't it, in your world? Absolutely, is- yeah. I mean, but for, for me as a um, an agency that specialises in uh, events, creative brand activations, and uh, and that that kind of thing, uh, for all of a sudden everything just to grind to a halt overnight and I remember I was with my partner we were over in Vienna when it kind of hit and there was talks of things happening in China um and you kind of think that you know you don't you know disassociate don't you yeah you kind of think it could never happen you know um and then obviously the, the the conversation and the news and and you know the it was becoming more serious and more of a possibility and and the effects and what those effects could potentially be and mean and those kind of impacts and then we got back to the UK got back to home uh, and then things just obviously started going from bad to worse and um, I had a big venue in Birmingham a big uh, warehouse event space that we were doing um, thousands of people a week at uh, so that was the first um, that was the first business of mine that got instantly uh, affected and obliterated really it was just yeah. wiped out um and did you get any of that help because i know there was some help from um government subsidies grants and things like that yeah yeah got um got a bit of help uh in that respect well that that was more um because i was at the time i was just about to open up uh, a pub as well That's it, yeah um and we'd done the deal uh going back to my uh businesses of old in an industry that i loved but i didn't think i'd ever get back into again yeah. uh but i'd become um involved and and uh i was tempted by returning to the industry uh in a slightly different way a more of a uh, a gentrified uh, gastro sort of pub, mm. Cascales, and 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 in a, a different position. I mean, when you came back from Australia, it was first thing you did was running a pub, you know, but hands on in the trenches there, so to speak. Well, but, I actually but, came back from Australia. I was. Uh, it was one of the reasons why I came back. A, a family yes. friend had asked me to come back and and uh, help convert and and refurbish and and rebrand and reposition a, a pub in Tamworth, in which Tamworth, I did. Yeah. But then I ended up meeting uh, some people who had become lifelong friends um, who we were just talking about off air. Yep. Uh, and we ended up opening up three clubs together, um, which were in the early sort of 2000s, which was amazing. 
So we had those clubs from uh, sort of 2002 up to about 2014. So it was kind of 10 years that I'd been out of the industry. Um, and because my career had, had gone into more events and festivals, uh, I didn't think I'd ever go back into kind of permanent venues. Um, so to be sat there, ready to sign on the dotted line, we were in the pub on the, I think the Wednesday, when the lockdown for all the pubs in the UK happened on the Friday, mm. and I was meant to be turning the key on the venue on the Monday. Mm. So, and it wasn't until then the August, just twiddling our thumbs for six months until we were able to get the, the pub open again. So yeah, yeah. You, you're right. So, so, it was you, a, so you did open it, yep. and, and now here we are, pretty much to getting on for a year and a half, nearer two years later. You don't still have the pub, no? No, um, I took a decision last year uh we'd been well we'd had the pub for uh, for that period of time uh and it'd been very successful we'd won some awards and uh it, it was going really great but um you know as we know from the industry and i'm i'm very involved and very connected with the ntia the nighttime industries association and michael kill who who does such a fantastic job uh for the industry and representing uh people in the industry um so I kind of saw what was coming. I saw the grey yeah. clouds ahead, so yeah. to speak. And, and you and had the, the inside word and knowledge because I'd imagine it's, it's, it's hard. You've got the contacts there with, with the uh, Nighttime Industry Association and things like that. So you're getting the actual word of what's happening, you know, off the back of people's figures and revenue numbers and stuff. All the rest of it's just noise, really, isn't it? But, it um, is. And it's uh, good to have that, that those peers and that inside knowledge, of course. Massively. To have those. I, I heard there was a staggering statistic that it was um, something like a, a landlord down a pub in Hampshire I was at, and, and this was last year, he said something like 40% or something of pubs are just breaking even yeah. or, or losing if money that, every week. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it might have yeah. been, been more than that. Yeah. I was astounded by that. But then I thought about it and I thought, well, how many pubs, I was just thinking about running through my, how many pubs I know have shut down and aren't here anymore, and it's a huge number. Yeah. It's a huge number. Yeah, and I, you know, I really do feel for all those people who were kind of in the industry with venues, but were very much kind of put into a corner, mm. you know, and, and, and fight or die, really. Yeah. Um, you know, because I was fortunate in the sense that and again, I don't mean this disrespectfully, but it was very much a side hustle for me. Yeah. You know, um, it wasn't I'd got the main a manager gig. in there. Yeah, that's fair. I'd got my other things, yeah. but and if it had been my main, uh, you know, my main business and my main source of income, then you're absolutely right. It would have been very, very frightening. But I saw the grey clouds. I saw the, you know, the cost of living, the energy uh, footfall in the in the town as a back off the back of um, the pandemic and that bounce back. Um, you know, all of the factors were were, you know, you were you were swimming up the Niagara Falls, yeah. really. You really were. But don't you? So I, I think it started a lot earlier than that. I think because I think it's a culture thing. Yeah. I think the culture's changed in this country, and I have an interesting perspective because I spend large periods of time out of the country, a year at a time, two years at a time, six months at a time. You come back and you see these changes in the macro, not in the micro. Yeah. Um, and I think. Even if you if we're winding way back, I think pub culture started to die when they stopped people smoking in pubs. Yeah, I was going to say exactly the same. Two thousand five, uh, yeah, yeah. the licensing and, reform and the, and the smoking ban. Mm. Really, what the licensing reform? What was what so was that, that was uh, yeah. So that was kind of round about the same time. Um, so 
yeah, don't don't quote me on on no, the no. laws and. But and, what was what was but, it that changed? Was it um, was that the twenty four hour thing? Yeah, it was, was a, it was a twenty four hour. Right. Um, it was a twenty four hour that then went very quickly into, into the smoking ban. So, um, so pubs that would only probably historically had been open till eleven o'clock or twelve mm. o'clock, all of a sudden they could open till two three o'clock in the morning. So then you got your your impact on the uh, on the clubs. Uh, right. So there was yeah, this whole okay. kind of knock-on effect, and everybody's businesses and and those traditional models in in their trading hours mm. and how they operated, everything just changed. All of a sudden, it was just a playing field. Mm. You know, you got you got some bricks and mortar, and then it was down to your license and what you wanted to do. So, you know, understandably, anybody who had a license in business wanted to operate or or try and push it as much as they can, and they mm. did. And 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 those ripples, you know, had had. Yeah. you know very uh, very big consequences on the industry and then i think another factor I, I see is that you it's almost impossible to go to a local garage now which most of them are open 24 7 yeah and they're selling alcohol in there and that didn't used to be the case 15 ish years ago you yeah know? and then supermarkets every supermarket started selling alcohol cut prices well i, th- I think supermarkets i think you're absolutely right certainly with garages and and anybody that kind of uh and you know we haven't even touched on things like online you know wine clubs beer clubs you know get a get a case of um orders yeah, and stuff like that yeah, yeah, yeah all yeah. of that you know uh-huh. people drinking at home mm. um not taking that option to go to pubs uh if they couldn't smoke or they can't go out at the time they want to they'll do it at home with i friends. also think and the, and the good side of it this is that people have just got healthier yeah, you know, you you look at your and I know because I was in construction for fifteen years. Every almost every day, because that's where genuinely where a lot of construction guys will do their business. They'll meet people, meet, you know, they'll meet each other in the pub and they'll get yep. stuff done. And that's kind of their office. And, and that culture's changed now. People finish work and they go to the gym, you know, yep. and stuff like that. And yep. and it's not the pub every single night. I also think the catalyst of of COVID and the 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 social issues that that might have brought up for a lot of people just made them more insular and 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 then combined by the cost of living and think well if we're going to drink we can do it at home it's cheaper i think so i think certainly that um that fear and you know again everybody had their their way of dealing with covid Mm. or or how they felt about it and certainly for their own uh health or risk or exposure to the to the uh, to the virus mm. um so yes there was a lot of people who just didn't want to go out mm. and that fear of being amongst people and possibly catching it and yeah, yeah i mean again anyway thing. let's not talk about covid because it's bloody <laughs> over it's over it's over it's um, done when did you get rid of the pub though and, and what was if i can ask what was the the final axe blow that you thought no I'll, this is done yeah so um the final uh trading weekend was uh it was the last few days of september first few days of october last year in 2022 okay. yeah. and it was the uh it was the start of the um the energy and the utility cost increases really right. um the um the pub group who i uh leased the uh the property from they wanted to put the rent up thirty thousand pound a year uh in the middle what kind of, of percentage increase was that oh that was significant yeah that was significant i mean that alone without anything else was just made the whole and that, business that's, that's, a, that's a global thing i see that everywhere yeah. I, I go it's just and, and, and you see you know when it's happened because you look at a row of shops yeah one will go two will go right next to it daisy chain yeah the same guy owns them and he wants to put the rent up yeah but i don't get it i don't surely you would you'd rather have a business 
someone in your place rather than it just being no one and derelict to bring something in well it was it was a pub with a major brewer and okay. uh obviously they also tie you in on on beer and and um on your purchasing so so they're obviously getting double bubble um they're getting obviously the the rent uh there's obviously uh running costs and fixed costs and and uh, admin costs as well that they put on um and then obviously the 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 margins that they get from uh from the wet sales so you would think that um after working with you and you've you've worked through the pandemic you've established a business in 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 probably the toughest trading conditions that you're ever going to have to suffer and you're coming out the other end you would think they would want to continue doing that rather than seeing the gray clouds ahead for themselves as well mm. but then saying well no we want to put your rent up and you're like mm. well okay so they bring somebody else in who who then um who they would probably bring in on a peppercorn rent for three or four months right but then they'll do the same to them so you just get that constant churn of of tenants and without giving them the opportunity to to build a sustainable long-term business mm. <clears throat> yeah which is a bit useless isn't it's it, tough rather? but yeah so we i took the decision to to finish on that weekend and you know with the uh, with the utilities coming in um also uh you know the, we spoke about the effects of um footfall on town centers and not time economies yeah. throughout the uk and, and globally I'm, I'm sure um you know the town was very quiet so you ch we were just surrounded by factors that just made the business unviable and, and of course you're you're in the scene you're amongst the scene you, you do you have done a lot of stuff at a, a nighttime daytime festival level it's, it's bounced back it's fair to say people are out there and, and doing stuff but i mean would you agree with that statement or and what level do you think it has bounced back to I think I think it has bounced back. I think there was a, it, it was a strange time in in twenty uh, twenty one twenty two, um, because of the uh, again the knock on effects of, of COVID and cancellations of, of events and then being sort of pushed down the road. Mm. So all of a sudden, when uh, when the world sort of opened up again, you had um, events that had been cancelled previously that had been rescheduled. Then you had a lot of kind of grants uh, from um, from the Arts Council and the government. So there were people who probably previously hadn't done events were then doing events. And then you had the people who which is great. were trying to do new events. Yeah. But then also, which was great because there was a, a mass amount of events and people had things to go to. But what that did, in, in essence, really, it cannibalised ticket sales mm. and then it, it kind of carved up the, the mm. audience because there's only so many people there is um and there's an awful lot of people that will give an event a go i know from doing this yeah. and go shit that's actually way more harder work than i thought and i and i kind of just about pulled it <laughs> off or failed thanks, and thanks I'm not for recognizing it that. oh it is. Yeah, yeah. it's an incredible yeah. amount of work putting yeah. an event together it is. we touched on it last time but it it's an incredible you've got a lot of pressure on your shoulders um you're if you're passionate about it you like you are and you yeah. actually want to deliver you know, you're not just in it for the money. That's really the, the bottom of that pile. Yeah. There's way more in it than that for you. You want it. You want it to be great for everyone that's in a part of it, and that's you know from production just to to um, the people that are paying for the tickets. And it's not an easy thing to do. And it's and, it's, and it, there's so many people you have to re rely on to to come through for you. Yeah. And like we said, we were talking before <laughs> off air really about the, yeah. the event you did, and and you paid someone reasonably handsomely to run the bar, and they turned up with four gazebos and. Yeah. Um, 
with an event for eight and a half thousand people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That was uh, <laughs> good one. Yeah, thanks for that. So so what's in the mill now? I know we've got we've got Beyond Festival, we've got the one that you just talked about. I don't know if you can talk about that. Yeah, yet. I could talk about that a lot. So um so there's obviously the uh Beyond Festival which we launched last year again. It was um it was a project and an event that we'd start talking about pre COVID. Um and then as soon as kind of COVID was coming to an end we we put that back on the tracks and, and started moving with that. Um so we it's essentially a um an urban um festival um day party the, or it's 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 a it's a day event yeah um but we got it licensed for uh three days so it's in the central leicester uh in in a beautiful park called abbey park and uh we'll probably touch on it shortly but um i tour an orchestra around so we do the we do the orchestra show on the Friday. Are you doing that? There? Yeah, we do Fantastic. that, and then we do the Beyond Festival on the on the Saturday, mm-hmm. um, and then we've also got the Sunday license, which we'll probably look at doing something next year. So, um, so we're really excited about the opportunity and and the long term vision of that. But yeah, we ended up getting nominated in four categories at the UK Festival Awards for it last year, which yeah. was really nice um, to be recognised in that way. Um, three stages, a beautiful park. Uh, some really great sort of headline uh, DJs, three stages, house sort of drum and bass, and and like a like a garage we're adding the fourth stage this year. Um, so yeah, so that's really exciting. And again, it kind of certainly in my tender years. It's um, it's it's nice to still be doing events to that kind of demographic and that yeah. audience. You know, our core audience for that is eighteen to probably twenty five. I'd yeah. probably say. Um, the the orchestra events are probably twenty nine to fifty five, so I'm still still very involved with all demographics and all audiences. From uh, again the lifestyle events uh, yeah. that I do, the Halloween, the Christmas, mm. and and the Easter events, uh, immersive sort of theatrical stuff, the orchestra. So very and you manage, busy. yeah, yeah, and you, well, you need to be to to to. I know you're a driven man. You know you're a man with a hunger for the hustle. Dare I say, and and someone yeah. who who chases things and goes after them, and that involves often doing many things at once. But over the, you know, this is, this is an interesting question and one I've been thinking about asking you for a while. You look at all the things that you've done, and, and let's say the, the bigger picture, what's the one thing that stand out? And I, I know you were even, you know, you got, you got Queen's honours and congratulations for that last yeah, year, wasn't it? thank you. Love to yeah. talk about that. Yeah. Well done, mate, I think that's bloody brilliant. <laughs> um, what's the one thing you go... Do you know that that was it for me? That that was like thus far because I'm sure there'll be more. But the one thing that stands out and go and you just it makes you smile when you think about it. it makes you it makes your heart smile when you think about it. Yeah, I think I think God take time me on the spot, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll just uh, we'll just pause for a brief brief <laughs> advert. Um, do you know what? I mean, I think there's so many... What does many... your heart say? What's the first thing that comes to your mind when I ask you? The best thing I've done? Um, I would I'd probably say I've still, I still love what we did with Secret Party Projects, um, which they was... Were which was a project... Um, <laughs> I never replicated. I don't think they'll ever be... I've seen a few people try and do it and... I don't think anybody has. They do. They do. St- yeah. I've, they've done... Even in Melbourne, Australia, they do stink, yeah. similar stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's it's not. Um... I think it was the the huge diversity of the type of uh, venues that we did. So for, for everybody uh, kind of listening, and if you're still tuned in, and we haven't bored you yet, um, <laughs> uh, 
we um, we we ha we created a brand called Secret Party Projects in 2010, and it was it was essentially um, a rave in very unique uh, venues that you just wouldn't get. Um, you basically got. Uh, this is how me and Brennan know, know each other because I used to sell tickets for for the event, um, and we were just part of that scene at the yeah. time. We were all going out, but. Um, you'd basically get picked up by a huge coach in your town and get taken to a mansion and <laughs> it would be going off there in every room, in all manner of things, performers, just in every room, you know, audio production, lighting production, everything. And then there was always like surprises. It seemed, it felt like to me there was stuff going on that was a surprise when you got there that you didn't even know was going to happen until you got there. It was just... It was, I mean, we, we did incredible. everything from... You really did. Stately homes, castles, mansions, even city halls that were owned by city councils. You know, we did yeah. uh, events in there. Uh, you know, for us, when warehouse raids were kind of starting to become a thing, mm. um, you know, to us that was kind of boring yeah um a bit mainstream <coughs> yeah bit mainstream. you know a warehouse bit you know mainstream. anybody can do a yeah, warehouse we they can you know we did art galleries we did boats we did parties in ibiza obviously um and it, it was a great six seven years um but it was it was the the whole development of that brand or or the the challenges in being able to put those events on uh, in those spaces uh, but to be compliant and obviously... And that's important, to, yeah. to pull them off safely, to have no major incidents, because it yep. happens a lot. Because, you know, I'd, I'd imagine in that industry, once you only have, that only has to happen once, and they're like, sorry, you're not doing it again, not on that scale. And I, th I think... I think and when, that's fair. You know, yeah, if you can't I, run an event safely... With absolutely. Ten, you know, thousands and thousands of people there, you shouldn't be running them. It's got to be a good event, and it's got to be safe. And, mm. you know, and we tick those two boxes... Um, you know, continually uh, for the whole duration that we run those events. Uh, and we have the, you know, the trust and the respect of the local authorities, of the police, mm. of all partner agencies. Um, and that was where we kind of really cut our teeth in putting on large scale events, you know, and understanding what needs to be done uh, to be able to deliver to that standard, which mm. is what we do now for ourselves. Uh, and I'll do for other people in a, in a consultancy sense as well, which yeah. is great. You know, I'm organising seven festivals this year. Yeah. Which is a great point, you know, if, if there's anyone watching this little little plug for Brenner here and you, <laughs> you're running an event anywhere, I'd, I'd probably say it, anywhere in the UK, but it wouldn't surprise me if you do one anywhere. Um, this is the guy you want to speak to. This is the guy you want to speak to. Now, and, and on that level, and, and let's talk about the the, um, the the quality of the work that you do. It was an OBE. Was it an OBE? Am I, no, am I right? oh, yeah. B, I've got a BM. B-E-M. Which is uh, British, British Empire. Empire Medal. That's the one. I didn't know they still called yeah. them that. I yeah, yeah, yeah. But, so, did you? Who who awarded you with it? So, um, so it was the. Did Queen's... you get to meet the Queen? Is what I'm trying to say. So I didn't. <laughs> uh, and I've been awarded with it, but I've still yet to attend the Palace, which hopefully should be this May. Okay. So very exciting. Uh, a couple of years ago. Um, I got an email which I think most people would would suspect to be some kind of you would wouldn't you spam or some scam, uh, but it just looks there was something about it that made me open it and had a wax and stamp on it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, a virtual uh, red wax stamp, and I've just um, responded to it, and uh, yeah, I've been named in the Queen's Birthday Honours list in 2021, which was I just amazing. Think it's brilliant, you know. And, and would you reckon that was? Off the back of a single event, uh, a cognizant of all your events, or do you not really know? Yeah, well, it, the 
you, you get a, a description of, of why you've been awarded it. And um, I was actually awarded it for... Amazing uh, bloke. <laughs> top geezer. Um, no, it, it, was, it was just... It was for uh, some projects that I did during the pandemic. Right. Um, so I did some pandemic uh, response, food poverty uh, projects, set up some okay. food banks. Uh, we helped thousands and thousands of people sort of locally, raised lots of money to, to keep... Uh, keep them fed. Uh, yeah, it's so funny you should say that because I, my sister helped out with the boxes to, to people for the yep. Christmas thing. And yep. after I did a podcast, I realised I was like, oh, I know. I said to my sister, that guy you're helping that out with, that's that's Brenna, the guy that I'm on the podcast. Oh no way! Did uh, yeah, because it was around Tamworth, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it was absolutely. Yes, yeah. yeah, so my sister Jade, yeah. and she she helped out with the boxes. So it was more for the the kind of charity blender thing. Yeah, it was that and it was for, I think the the description was for COVID response uh, projects and for service uh, to Tamworth. So I've I've been obviously involved in Tamworth. I've put a lot of um, time into uh, extra uh, activities, shall we say. So being a member of sort of pub watches and town centre uh, sort of schemes and and trying to and then uh, for a period of time I was a, I was a local councillor. Uh, yeah. I wanted to really sort of help Tamworth um, become the place that it's got the the potential to be. So I got involved in that um, and decided to resign from that um, at the back end of twenty one um, for for reasons that um, uh, people won't want to hear on here. Uh, I was just very frustrated and. Uh, I felt very suppressed and, and not able to do the things I wanted to do. Mm. So um, I, I thought, you know, I thought I could swim through the treacle and, and uh, of, of kind of local politics. But it, for somebody like me who's used to being probably a little bit more free thinking, a bit more dynamic, it was a, it was a, a challenging time for me to be able to. Yeah. have any kind of influence or do the sort of things that I felt the town needed. So, Mate, I think if you put it a bird, but without touching on that. You get a wild bird and put it in a cage, it's going to get pretty frustrated after a while. Yeah. You know, and that's essentially, I guess, what happened to you there. Yeah, I just um, kept rattling that cage and, yeah. um, and... And it wasn't appreciated. I had to so, fly. Yeah, that's <laughs> it, mate. You can only uh, let go or be dragged, I think, is is, is the way to look yeah. at that. But that, that, that enabled me to do, uh, you know, but again, during during the COVID time, we did the food stuff. I set up um, a project called the Drop Shop Project, which was um, a food bank in a shipping container. And we put that into some um, some areas uh, where where that kind of service was really needed. Um, so yeah, it, it was a it was a very um, difficult time for for everybody, as we know. Uh, and you know, it was just great to be able to try and 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 help and have some kind of positive impact on those that needed needed. It's that. important. It's important. There's something that I heard a long time ago. I actually think it's a quote from the Bible. I'm not a religious man, but I hear the odd thing from the Bible and I think, that's good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with that one. And it's, service is the rent we pay for the space we take upon earth. And I think you'd align with that. Yeah. Um, what, you, you obviously, you're from Tamworth, you've lived there pretty much all, you, all your life. Is that why you want to put the effort into making it a better place? Is that what drives it? Because it's not a common thread for everyone. It, it's, it's a kind of, an understandable follow-on from being in events and being in that space where you're in the community a lot. But it's not something that everyone would do. I commend you for it. But what's really the, the driving energy behind all the things you have done for Tamworth? Um, I think exactly what you say. You know, you're, you're a local person you, and you want 
you want it to be the best it can be because you're, you're kind of widely traveled like yourself you know i lived mm. in australia a few years lived in london lived in birmingham mm. you know you and you, you can see you think you other can, things you can see how things are better in other places yeah and you, wanna... and you see how things if they were implemented and if they were bought in in their mm. in their own way and, and lot, yeah. sadly you know again we don't want to touch on politics it's the last thing we want to do yeah. today we don't want to put the guys asleep no <laughs> but you know sadly people who get into local politics aren't the sort of people who should you know, who, who are fit for that role. Um, they're doing it for the wrong reasons or they think they're doing it for the right reasons, but mm. they haven't got the skill and the capability mm. to have the effects that, you know, the town and the community, yeah. the public, the residents, the businesses need. So it, It's an unfortunate, <clears throat> I'm going to use the word industry career path, that's plagued with bureaucracy and corruption when actually what the people need is exactly the opposite of that to make a genuine yeah. change. Yeah. And... I'm not sure how much longer it will keep heading in that direction before um, people just have enough. But who knows? That's something that will have to play out. I think they have now. I think I think mm. COVID and I think um, you know people people have become wise um, to you know the subliminal message. To the bullshit, and, uh, quite yeah, frankly, absolutely that to the bullshit, yeah. um, and they're fed up of being fed it, and. Um, I think we should draw a line under that and, and not, not, go, not, yeah. not go there. We'll save uh, that for another another podcast, yeah, I think. save your tears for another day. <laughs> what else do I want to talk to you about, mate? There's a, there's a few things. So this is a really interesting one, and I think we probably touched on on, on 10, or, 10 or 12 different things there that you've done, and, and you, you must do these things at the same time yeah. with each other. People are going to be thinking, and, and people ask us, have asked me the same before because I'm someone who does a lot of projects at the same time. How do you do it all at the same time, mate? I mean, how do you spread your time out? Do you, you know, how's the schedule? Do you have a, a big team helping you or? No, uh, I don't. Uh, it's essentially me uh, with with some really great uh, partners and associates and, right. and people around and, and uh, trusted uh, suppliers and, 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 and teams. So, um Everything is is really a bit like a jigsaw. All the various different events that I've got, I've got different business partners in different things, from the festivals to the to the Halloween scare attractions mm. to the um, to the orchestra. So I tour a um, fifty piece orchestra around uh, doing conceptual shows, which uh, which, which I can't wait to get to. I haven't been, I haven't been to yet. I went, yeah. I've been to a similar show to that. It was called. Concerts by Candlelight in Melbourne, and it was lovely. Daft Punk by Orchestra. Yeah, amazing. I, I took a, a lovely lady on a date there. It was ama- it was amazing. Um, How romantic! And, uh, it was lovely. Um, <laughs> but at the Birmingham Birmingham Symphony Hall, which is yep. one of the best in the country, oh, I can't wait to get to one of them when you next do one of them. It's there. the most acoustically perfect. You said that to me. Um, building in the buildings country. in the country. Yeah, yeah. I mean it, it is wonderful. And we did a show in there in I think it was the back end of. 2017 16 mm. 17 um and again it was a it was a it was a full-on show the director of the symphony hall said it was the most spectacular show they'd ever had there i know i know it took an army of volunteers with hoovers to get up the confetti at the end so it, it was certainly spectacular in that way but it was it was amazing and and just the whole space i mean you spoke about uh probably one of my um i mentioned secret party projects but the project to do that show was sort of getting on for sort of two and a half years. So putting the orchestra together, you know, we 
bought in a load Wait, of you production. you were organising it for two and a half years? Yeah, it's probably two and a half years wow. in the making. So I approached a... That makes um, me feel better about my book. It's took about that long. <laughs> work in progress. Yeah. It was, you can't rush these things. No. You can't, no. You know, and people put pressure on you, but you're just like, look, I'm not going to feel that because I'm committed to making this the best I can and that takes time. Well, I approached a global sort of clubbing brand and said, look, you know, you're in Birmingham, you should be doing this. Um, and they were like, oh yeah, we thought about it. I said, well, well, I'll do it all. You know, I'll bring all together. So uh, I worked with one of those guys and, and they they curated the music, but then everything else from, from the orchestra to the production, to the marketing, um, you know, it was, a, it was a two, two and a bit year project that culminated in, in a, a show that again, I'll, I'll never forget. It was, it was, you know, I look back, Mixmag um, showed it on their channel, uh, did a live stream from there. It was the most viewed non-DJ event on Mixmag. No doubt. Which is no amazing. Doubt, yeah. So that's out there. If anybody want to look at uh, Miss Moneypenny's um, Mixmag on YouTube, the full two-hour show is on there. Mm. So, yeah, that was... Miss a- Moneypenny's. That, do you know where that took me then when you said that? <coughs> um, head can do. Yeah, and then I thought that Mark's back, isn't he? He's been back for a while. Mark Doyle, he's, he's yeah. Mark Doyle's back, yeah. and he's doing the events, and they're doing a few. They're doing a few. Most they're doing of them really seem to well. be in Bournemouth. I've noticed, but they are around. There, there were some key territories, I think, that Head Candy did particularly sort of well in. Certainly up in Newcastle, at mm. di- the old Digital, and, mm. and places like that. But Bournemouth and on the coast. Yeah, Liverpool. Um, they did well in Liverpool. I as met well. Mark in Birmingham a, a few months ago, and um, yeah, I mean, you know, a fantastic brand. I think we were all bought up and we've all got a, a stack of CDs with that yeah with the um, with the, with the illustration on. yeah yeah uh, the amazing illustration uh, artwork and the covers and the music was just something else I mean I I actually ended up working for the Ministry of Sound as a consultant yeah. they took me on to um, to relaunch Head Candy a few years ago right because um, I saw it was a relaunch yes yeah. and that was that was quite interesting we were essentially they, they brought me in because of what I was doing with Secret Party Projects yeah. as we spoke about and because of the the notoriety and and the um, the attention that those events were getting, they I think they saw that being a really great fit for Head Candy, which it would be really, mm. you know, doing stately home mansion parties with Head Candy. It was what it yeah. was all about, you know. It was glamorous. It was it was fantastic. It was the whole thing. It, it was this. It was this. The whole that yeah. I think that that iconic Mirables. artwork of Head Candy, which was done by Jason Jason Brooks, Jason who I had Brooks. on the podcast last yeah, yeah. year. Fantastic bloke. Did you have him on the podcast? Um, yeah, I've had him on. He's a Amazing. fantastic bloke, yeah, really yeah. nice bloke. Um, he just he just dropped a, an NFT collection last year, which was essentially let me think two hundred pieces of that style, but it was all black white with a bit bits of red in it. Amazing. It's called the black and white collection. Wow. No, sorry, it was called the red collection because it had these elements of red I in it. Really nice up. pieces, yeah, mate. Yeah, really yeah. nice pieces. But I collect that. I collect the pieces from his site, and I've got loads of okay. them. Okay. Um, but that was iconic of our era. The chic, the glamour of it, just like the. Totally. It, it was great. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to get to one of them events this year. But I want to get back into, because I, I don't think, I felt like we kind of, we, we segued there. And what I want to try and get into is, quite frankly, how do you keep yourself organised, mate, when you've got all the things going on? You know, what's your actual yeah. tools that you, do you plan stuff the day before? Do you write it all out in a journal, a planner? Do you just kind of stumble through it and do it on your phone? Or Yeah, no. I think I'm, that's really helpful to people to... To, yeah, to know to know that stuff. Yeah, no, stuff I, people struggle with. I'd like to think I'm I'm quite organised. Uh, you need to be. Um, to you need do, to try to, to do what I'm doing. <laughs> um, but I, I just I, essentially I just use uh, technology to to advantage and get into a a system 
Uh, I think it's key just to have a system, so long as it works for you. Mm. Um, you know, it doesn't need to be, um, you know, any kind of software that you buy. If you know, you've got Google, we've got, we've got obviously Apple, mm. kind of Apple Notes, mm. um, and I, I just get myself very organised on, on my on my Mac, and I've got all the folders. For all the but projects, you don't have an assistant and, uh, or anyone like that. No, no. That really surprises me. I thought myself. you would have. Yeah, I thought you had someone um, as, as you kind of your right-hand counterpart. But it's true what you say. I mean, I was, I was speaking to, um, you know, an old friend of ours, Roger, who yeah. used to do a lot of stuff yeah, with, yeah, and he's yeah. do, doing very well and got a lot of stuff on. And I said to him, I saw him um, not long ago, and I said, like, how do you do it? He goes, you just got to find the right partner. Yeah. You know, you've got to find the right business yeah. partner and, and share the load, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. So you are busy, but you're not doing all of it, all of it. I think I think you touched on it earlier when you talk about the macro level, the micro level mm. and, and, and how you work. So if, you know, um, you look at everything that I do sort of from a macro level, from from the orchestras to the um, to the festivals. So each of those I've got business partners in. Um, right. So and then it's just a case of giving up roles and responsibilities and and, um, and working in, in an organised way. But I've got, I, I think... I'm fortunate, and I think this is this is a really key thing: is is work with people and make sure that you're working with people that you you know you get on with personally as well, um, because you know business and the pressures that that brings. Um, you know, you need to be able to um, to really um, rely on them. Yeah, you've got to them. rely on them, depend on them. Um, you know, know that they're not going to screw you over as well. well me, I think we've all be. been there. Uh, <laughs> I certainly have. Uh, you know, um, certainly um, there's a couple of um, key moments in my career where um, I, I've been, uh, to put it bluntly, as you say, screwed over. It happens, um, you know. It's just there's a small percentage of all of the population that are... Arseholes. And I think, and I think they will screw you over. I think that goes. I think that then leads on to what what we're talking about now in how you work and who you work with and whatever. It gets to a point where you know the one person you can trust is yourself. Right. And uh, is that why you do a lot of your own stuff yourself? I think so. I, I because think, you're like, well, if I do it, it's done right, and I know that exactly I've not that. got to rely on anyone. Yeah, you're to, not going to, to let yourself down. You you know you know you, you know your challenges. You know what your deliverables yeah. are. And you know you've got to get it done. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I mean, you know, a, a very tiny, and I'm sure everybody has uh, lent on people or, or they rely on people and, and they get let down at key moments. We mm. talked about the uh, the bar company at, at the big orchestra. A few, I mean, even last week we were doing a, a festival launch and I was waiting on some artwork and the designer just went missing. AWOL. Like totally AWOL. And we were, like, we were yeah. waiting on this final piece of artwork with all yeah. the with the full lineup on uh, and it didn't come through and um, fortunately we got the layered files and we were able to do it in-house within the team that I've got around me delivering the festival. Um, and is that beyond? Yeah, that's beyond. Yeah, because we, yeah. we're probably going to, let's, we'll start, start wrapping things up. I know you've got a busy day and it's um, over. We'd be here for days, wouldn't we? Yeah, we could be here <laughs> for days and that's great, mate. It's really we could good turn to turn this into up. a series. We, we definitely yeah, could, yeah. we definitely yeah. could. Um, 
But let, let's wrap up. Let's tell the people about what you are up to this year, Brendan, what you're delivering. I'd, I'd like to know, it'd be cool to give people a bit of an element of the lineup as well. If you've got any little snakes you can give us on any lineups that aren't being announced. Yeah, well, um, I think everything's pretty much out there now. Um, but uh, so what I've got going on this year is, is again, uh, touching on what we spoke about earlier, quite a diverse portfolio of events that start in Easter with uh, live theatrical, immersive family event. Um, so we do some events at a place called uh, Watton House, which is near East Midlands Airport. It's a beautiful country home with lovely gardens and we, we've won best scare, scare attraction sort of three times yeah. over the years and we, and we do a really great Halloween there. We then kind of replicated that model with a, with a Christmas model. So it's not a light trail, but again, it's walking around uh, based on, first one we did was based on a Christmas carol yep. and then we did one last year. Um, which was great, and then we then we then uh, replicated that into an Easter model, uh, like an Alice in Wonderland. So again, Brilliant. installations, actors, performers, uh, a big circus uh, show. So that's good. So that's happening at Easter, and then we hit festival season. Festival season. Um, Let's go. So there's various festivals that I'm organising for other people, uh, which is which is really interesting, and that's a nice uh, part of my business to be able to consult and deliver yeah. stuff. It gives me some stability and, and underwrites what I do uh, where there's any risk involved. Yeah. Um, but then obviously I've got Beyond, as, as we spoke about, which is... 24th on, of June, is that? Yep, so yeah. 23rd with the orchestra, 24th with Beyond Brilliant. Uh, of June. Who's headlining Park. Beyond? So we've got, uh, in the drum bass around, probably the biggest name is Pendulum. Nice. Uh, so we've got Pendulum, HeadX. Aussie Boys. Which is doing really well at the yeah. moment. Um, and we've got some really great sort of artists and we, we're really about nurturing uh, new talent okay. as well. That's what it's about, yeah. Um, nice. So it's a really nice Brilliant. mix. I saw a list yesterday actually of the, of the festivals that really sort of nurture talent as mm. opposed to just going for the big obvious ones. We, we like to do a mix of both. Mm. Um, so I think that's, as you say, that's really important. So we've got Beyond. Uh, we've also got one of our self-promoted events at a place called Capesthorn Hall at the start of June, which is, it's beautiful. It's near Macclesfield, okay. sort of south, yeah. sort of Cheshire. Yeah. Uh, it's, a it's near Jodrell Bank, the big, uh, um, the big uh, centre with the uh, with the big dishes, doing all the. Okay. Um, so it's a it's a beautiful, stately home. So we're doing an Ibiza proms in the park there. Nice. Uh, that will be a day, daytime event. Daytime yeah. event, June yeah. the tenth, uh, on its own, um, and that'll be. I think somewhere around about eight to 10,000 people, which will be lovely. No. Um, and then we've got the um, the festival that's gone on sale this morning, actually, uh, at a beautiful venue up um, up near Warrington called Walton Hall and Gardens. Okay. Uh, it's actually not too far from where they do Creamfields. Yeah. Uh, and we've created a, a lovely little daytime, again, uh, a little sort of disco Disco vibe, house and disco and happiness, we called it. Nice, Desbury like Festival. That. So we've got uh, Jocelyn Brown. Uh, we've got, um, oh, who else have we got? We've got... Um, People playing Desbury, music, good music. Desburyfestival.co.uk. <laughs> there you Have go. a look at that. Um, what date's that? So that is actually uh, on uh, June the 24th. It's the same day as Beyond. Okay, same. But different... So how do you manage the, that? Can I you... won't be at I won't be at Daresbury. There you go. Uh, I will be at Beyond. I'm actually the DPS and the uh, event director for Beyond, so I need to be there and fully involved. It's a, mm. <clears throat> it's about you know uh, ten thousand people, and it's a big 
it's a big event uh, with a lot of responsibility. So uh, I will be physically at that one. And then again, the team and my partners will be delivering the, the Daresbury one. But again, if you if you want to grow, um, you sometimes you have to get those date clashes and, and, um, and that's what we've done. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that players out but again having the trust and the confidence in in the wider team yep. is there you know if that wanna, would be a lovely day yeah no i'm sure they'll both will i'm gonna to have to decide about which one i want to get to and also i'm a bit concerned that one of them might clash with glastonborough we need but, a helicopter um, for you yeah i'm sure, <laughs> sure we can. minor detail yeah yeah <laughs> Brilliant. If people want to get in touch with you about maybe consulting for their event yeah. or just chatting about, you know, Tamworth indeed yeah. and, and, and helping things on that end or maybe in charitable stuff, where is the best way to find and contact you, sir? Yeah, so... If you want people to, you might yeah, not. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'll go dark. It's, um, yeah, obviously Tamworth is is, is home. Just keep walking me. around Tamworth, you'll see him in this yellow jacket at some point. Tamworth's obviously the centre of the universe for me, but, you yeah. know, we do events all, all, over, the, uh, mm. all over the UK, but... Obviously, I'm on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. uh, which is Brinner UK. Um, and then, obviously, um, my agency is called Extra Humongous with an X. Which is the best name for an agency, isn't it? It, it Extra is. Extra Humongous with an it X. It is, till you try and get emails to people. Right. And they get stuck in people's spam filter because I think the Extra Humongous is a naughty email, if you see where I'm going. I can see where you're going, so, yes. Yes, that in would my, be a problem. <laughs> in my wisdom years ago, thinking I'd come up with a, yeah, yeah. a nice sort of name that said that we did things yeah. bigger and better, um, it, it probably means I have to send emails twice or twice as many as I need to. There might be a way around that, I've just thought of, which isn't for now. but Okay. Yeah. Mate, so good to have you on. So good to have you in front of me, man. It's been so many years. It's been lovely. Um, love to have you back at a later date. Always love well, to have you back I and talk about I want to see you at one of the festivals to... in the Yeah, uh, mate, I'll be there. The we summer. won't do a podcast from a festival because... Um, everybody's invited. I, I might not be able to um, talk as well. Um, yeah, everyone's invited. <laughs> everyone's invited, so... That, that could be a first for you, doing a, doing a podcast from a festival. Why not? Do you know, festival, I've done you know? one in the middle of Queensland, in the middle of the bush, and yep. somehow had brilliant enough um, 4G signal to do it. Well, if so. you've got somebody that you want to invite to one of my events and do it there, then you know, you know you're always welcome. Do it. Yeah, I've been, I've been trying to get Rue on for ages, so yep. um, might, might get one on with him. But yeah, wicked, mate. Really brilliant. good to see you. And you. Thanks, brilliant. Thank you. Nice one. Right. Thanks. That has been another wonderful episode of the Hunger for the Hustle podcast. I have been Jake Fowler. You have been fantastic. Thank you for listening. I appreciate all my listeners from around the world. If you've enjoyed this show, give that like button a punch, give that subscribe button a tap, and give that bell a ring just so you don't miss any future episodes. If you've really enjoyed it and got some value, I would love for you to share that value with anyone else. And I'd love to hear some feedback as well, whether you did or didn't like it, whether you think there's some ways it can improve or be better, or indeed, if you think you would fit for the show yourself and would like to appear, please get in touch on our socials at Hunger for the Hustle. Stay healthy, stay happy, stay hungry, and keep on hustling, folks.